commercial property with Rethink Investing. Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing. Hi, good everyone. How are you going? Phil Tarrant here, co-host Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Hope you're well. Hope you're pumped. Hope you're highly engaged and connected in with this commercial market we're operating right now. And I'm sort of reflecting over the last couple of weeks, uh, thinking about this next instalment of the podcast about how things have changed. This is now the 12th episode of Inside Commercial Property. Who would have thought smack bang in the depths of COVID when uh, the sky was falling in, Chicken Little sort of context there, um, that 12 months on we would have this podcast, which I think is in many ways uh, shaping and transforming attitudes towards commercial property. It feels like every man his dog now wants to get commercial assets inside their portfolio. So whether or not we're behind that, who knows? I'm just the guy who really records podcasts. I My talent, where if there is one, uh, is sort of having discussions with people who actually know what they're talking about. One of them is Scott O'Neill. He's director of Rethink Investing. He's my partner in crime on this particular podcast. 12 episodes in. Who would have thought, mate? I know. It went quick. I was just talking to you before. Like when we started this, it was uh, it was doomsday, wasn't it? <laughs> it was absolutely We were doomsday. wondering, should we even launch this podcast? It might, we might look a bit silly, but uh, yeah, look, the market has done a total U-turn and yeah, it, look, it looks silly the other way now. It's mm. Everyone's going nuts for it. And um, yeah, there's no end in sight just yet. There isn't. And, and I think um, our narrative and our correspondence and our discussion in this podcast, I think, has been the continuity of it from the very first day to where it is today. It's been the same. We're, we're still very considered about commercial property as an asset class and as utility for property investors or all investors in some way or another. That really hasn't changed, but we've gone, it feels like, Scott, from 12 months ago trying to persuade people to think about commercial property as an asset class rather than sort of having their blinkers on purely focusing on uh, residential or, or any other asset class that they may use to completely the flip side now where every man and his dog, it feels, is investing in commercial property. What's happened? Oh, look, it's the search for yield, but confidence is back. And it's, yeah, look, I think the yield thing is the biggest thing because like as these resi markets keep growing and they are growing, like they're sort of looking like the double digit returns at the moment. What's going to happen at the end of that? People are going to have all this equity. The banks are quite favorable with lending at the moment. So do you debt up and buy another residential property at arguably maybe the peak of the market or do you put it into other asset classes? And that's where I think commercial's got a whole nother leg to go. But you've still got to be careful, and that's the point of this podcast. We're very conservative in nature. We're not just saying, oh, look, it's a boom market, jump in, because tides will change. You know, it might be five years, it might be three years, but you want those assets that will perform well in the slower markets as well, because right now everything is growing. But we've got to look beyond that. And, uh, you know, we're 20-year investors, not two-year investors. Yeah, and this is it. You know, you're not going <laughs> to you're not gonna get rich quick overnight, and if you do, you're probably getting some pretty risky stuff. So. The focus, like the 12th episode, episode 12 of the podcast, Scott, the realities of the commercial market in 2021, one year on from when we first started. And we need to be very considered in that. Yes, we're going to talk about the benefits of investing in commercial property and also the negatives or the challenges investing in commercial property. And I think we've been pretty clear on that throughout. It's not for everyone. If you're just new to investing, maybe you shouldn't be rushing in buying a commercial property. Like we've covered this stuff over the last sort of 12 episodes, so you can go and check it out. But I just want to temper maybe some attitudes, behaviours, perceptions that we're now starting to see around commercial property and maybe realign or recalibrate your views towards it. So it's not for everyone. You need to be very considered 
about what sort of assets you're buying, why you're buying them, when you're buying them, and what your long-term strategy is. And then also whether or not it's worth your time, energy, and effort to even consider investing in commercial property because the likelihood is that it's not right for you and you should be maybe putting your efforts elsewhere. So the realities of the commercial market in 2021, Scott, I want to get into it. And as part of this, you know, I hate the sort of new fangled-angled terminology. It's not really new anymore, but FOMO, fear of missing out. And I think that's rampant in investing in the moment, including both resi and uh, commercial property. And I'm seeing a lot of an Ungerhawk call it idiot investing in commercial property where people are chasing, like, you know, at auction in competitive environments, sort of 3% yields on commercial assets, which probably aren't going to wash their face when markets return to normal. What's your views towards this now, this sort of FOMO effect and how it's shaping people's you must be getting thousands of emails, no doubt, right now about this, but shaping people's attitudes towards investing in commercial property. Yeah, look, and I really wanted to to frame this chat around, you know, the realities of the commercial market and, and what you should and shouldn't do because fear of missing out is taking over in those auction environments, like you said. So to give you an idea, like Rethink Investing over the years has helped, it's over 2,100 clients purchase properties. At auction, we've bought zero We've never bought at an auction. You've never bought a place at auction, ever. Because you don't get the required due diligence period. It's harder. It's more stressful from a price point, a financing point of view. You just simply do not get a good deal, I don't think, unless no one shows at the auction and then you may as well just buy it prior because the agents will know there's no competitors and they'll try, you know, will and deal before the auction. Right now, people are throwing the kitchen sink at service stations, child cares, you know, Hungry Jacks, all these kind of nice clean deals with long leases. And, you know, they're buying 3.5% net yielding assets and, you know, or 4% if they're sort of uh, on the outskirts of a city. Like they're, and they're big money. We're not talking 500 grand. We're talking, you know, four, five, six, seven million dollar type assets. And like you said, they won't wash their face if interest rates go up suddenly, which I don't think they will. But, you know, if you're spending that type of money, you actually want to get more than just the so called security. You want to actually, do well, and uh, and this is that's the classic example when you don't investors don't know what they're doing as much as they should. They're attracted by the the lovely lease on the front, and then they'll buy it at a silly yield. When in reality, instead of buying a three percent asset, you could actually buy something in that same suburb at five or six if you're just uh, buying something with maybe a shot, slightly shorter lease or uh, you know an off market transaction. And yeah, I just wanted to remind people there's other ways to buy commercial properties. There's no shortcuts. You can go to those auctions and do well, but a professional investor tends to never go to those. You'll be buying them off-market, pre-market, or just in a, a standard expression of interest campaign where you've got a little bit more negotiation power. So I don't want us, considering the last 12 months, talking positively around commercial property, Scott, but I don't want to be the merchants of doom and gloom or take the wind out of people's sails or take the, the vigor behind investing in uh, behaviors or, or, or investing in your future through commercial property. But the realities of it is market is it's not for everyone. And I don't want to be, you know, remembered as the two guys who talked up commercial property and a whole bunch of people got into it and then the realities of it was very different. So and I don't think we've done that at all. We've been absolutely on the money thus far. However, shaping, challenging some of those perceptions that people may have. Now, a lot of people think, I got $100,000 and I've been saving my $100,000 because someone told me at some point in time that I needed $100,000 to get into commercial property. Realistically, the minimum cash amount in today's market to be identifying and securing good assets, what, where is it at? What is it? Or so, is it how long is a piece of string? 
Yeah, look, good question. In one of the earlier episodes, we went through the minimum, and I think we were working off a three or four hundred thousand dollar example, eighty percent lend, and you know, it worked out to be about a hundred grand deposit. Now mm. that is still possible today, but talk about percentages. Like, how often are we going to find a three hundred thousand dollar investment with a good tenant in a good area? It's much less likely. Rare as hence the yeah. But twelve yeah. months ago, it was you know, it was a monthly occurrence. So. The market has changed. So this is a market update for those entry-level investors. So the hard reality is you probably want to budget yourself for a $600,000 purchase now. Again, you can get cheaper, but I'm talking percentages. This is what will likely result in a good tenant, good yield, good area without taking silly risks. So a $600,000 purchase, if you're doing a, you know, worst case scenario, let's just go a 70% loan. So you can get 80% still, but Work off worst case. So you need a hundred and eighty grand deposit for that. Stamp duty on six hundred thousand is circa fifteen grand. Your building report, call it eight hundred dollars for the building and pest. Valuation, don't forget that. That's one thousand, maybe one thousand two hundred there. Solicitor cost, allow three or four grand with all disbursements. So you add all that up and you're up around two hundred grand cash. So that's almost double what we spoke about. And it's because the price is roughly double. And we've got. To, I think that's the expectation. If you're going to go into commercial, and you've got far less than that, maybe just save or use more equity. Just play the percentages and uh, try purchase a slightly higher value asset because you're going to do yourself a favour with tenant security and the just the volume of deals are more bountiful at that range, and that's key in this hot market because um, you don't want to just go crazy and just buy a really cheap one because you're desperate to get into this market. And you see that happening in residential property where, you know, we've spoken about beforehand, Scott, most residential property investors own between one or two properties because the first property they buy is the wrong property and it sort of becomes some handcuffs that stops them from doing more. So the same applies, the same concept applies in commercial property. If you buy the wrong commercial property first, that's probably going to stifle your opportunity to keep growing, evolving commercially moving forward. Now, you spoke about things changing so rapidly. Is this a reset because those type of properties are a lot harder to find? Is that because less people are putting them up for sale or there's more people looking for them? Both, yeah. So stock's low. Mm. Like If I had to guess, it's probably almost 50% down. And then, yeah, the demand's through the roof at the moment. And it's like rightly so. The yields are, you know, still... Sixes, seven percent net yields, um, like that's fantastic. And and as the residential market, comparably, it's looking better and better because yields in residential are going nowhere in a hurry. So mm. there is a point where every residential investor is going to go. Well, what's the point of buying a negative geared asset? And you know, if the growth starts slowing up in say a year or whenever it slows up, it's going to look like an inefficient model. And commercial relatively looks very strong still. So. There's room for growth for commercial, but yeah, you don't want to creep under a certain level of yield as well. And this is like we were talking about those auctions. Once you start going under the four percent, what's the point? You know, you're defeating the purpose of getting it into it in the first place. You want good cash flow out of commercial, otherwise you may as well just stick to residential. And um, yeah, that's why we're very strong on you got to sort of hit those types of numbers and um, yeah, don't take unnecessary risk while doing so. So do you um. You put a new book out recently. I've forgotten the name of it. It's called Rethink Property Investing. Rethink Property Investing. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> Rethink Property Investing. And no doubt, and I've seen when when new property books go out, they normally go nuts and no doubt you've been getting some coverage uh, around it, which stimulates interest, right? Well, what sort of questions are people asking you right now? 
Yeah, and look, because of that book's one of the reasons we're having this podcast now. So there's been a couple of articles and, you know, those book promotion type articles that have gone out and they they go quite mainstream. Mm. And some of those articles are written in a fashion that sort of makes it look like a get-rich-quick scheme and it's definitely not. And that's why I want to highlight, like, because we're getting calls from people who have no deposit saved yeah. and they're like, oh, you know, can I buy or flip a commercial property? Just And it's just educating. This is There is a barrier to entry into this place. This is one of the main reasons people don't talk about commercial much because it is hard to get in and because you need a larger deposit. It's more complicated to buy and, yeah, there's not a quick buck if you're, you know, coming out fresh, especially with no deposit. So that's why I was saying we've got to have a, you know, a minimum deposit amount and um, the book is it explains all that but people look for quick answers so we just wanted to sort of mention you know it's all about having a deposit saved if you've never bought a commercial property and you've never invested before maybe don't look at this straight up because you've got to be I wouldn't say a seasoned investor but you've got to have experience in understanding how the investment world works whether it's residential shares or business you've got to have a bit of that behind you rather than just coming in cold yeah and we speak a lot about these principles on this podcast and look just go and listen to any of the episodes over the last 12 months you can sort of navigate through them wherever you listen to this podcast just flick through it and choose those which resonate with you but to the point scott around education to those people listening to this right now and you know thanks for tuning in and you're investing in your education i think that's a very very good start i personally wouldn't be investing in commercial property unless i had a pretty good understanding of it and Reading your book, which no doubt is good, and I've got—I think I've got the first copy of it signed. Um, you know, there's a lot of the tenants to success in, in commercial property, but it doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to read your book and then be a gun commercial investor. You've got to start as part of a process of education, and there's a lot of information out there, Scott. So, for those people who are investing in education, listening to this particular podcast, that's a big tick. What else do you do? Where else do you go? How do you understand and shape? whether or not commercial property is right for you because to this point around a whole bunch of people sort of contacting you going, hey, I want a commercial property because I want to flip it and become an instant millionaire and I have no deposit. Like mm. it's not really reality, is it? No, and they're the ones you could tell haven't put the time into – like anyone that's listened to this podcast because we talk to literally hundreds of people from this podcast and they're very well educated. They understand – the different asset classes and honestly they're happy to take their time to look for the right property and that's the key in this market. Mm. I've got lots of clients at particular price points where there's a frustratingly lack of good properties coming through. So right now we've got a bit of a pinch point between the, I'd call it 600,000 to maybe 1.3 million. Like that price point, there's not much good stock coming through but there's a lot of buyers. Everyone wants that stuff. Everyone right? wants that stuff yeah. and, and it's not a matter of just buying the next property that you see because you've waited long enough. You've got, to, you've got to actually take your time because if you wait another month or two, this investment is for you and your family for the next 20 plus years. And the fear of missing out is actually like it's last, you know, I don't know whether it's the book or not or the fact that uh, maybe the residential markets are kind of going to that next level craziness, but there is people out there that are going crazy and they're putting cash unconditional offers on, on properties like, we were in Adelaide two weeks ago and we put 10 offers on properties. And they were sort of between 800 to about $2.5 million. We lost seven of them to cash offers, like $2 million properties with cash offers. Yeah. I couldn't even get a seven day due diligence clause in there. You know, that, that's aggressive buying. So yeah. these randoms in the market are obviously 
I spoke to a few of the agents, like guys that have missed 10 in a row and they're just like, screw it. The next property I see that I like, I'm just going to go it. And they haven't even checked the numbers or, you know, I don't even know if they got a builder out in time. Like I assume maybe they did before exchange, but it's a lot of risk for a $2 million asset. Mm. And that's just classic fear of missing out. It's probably what happens in most houses in Sydney or Melbourne or, you know, Brisbane at the moment. Yeah. And you can see this, and this is the supply and demand scenario that you see playing out in property. And to this point around how much money you actually need, how do you get started, what sort of assets you should be looking at, whether commercial property is right for you. The guys and girls at Rethink Investing are happy to have those chats. You can email them. And there's a special email for this particular episode, episode 12 at rethinkinvesting.com.au. Ask those questions, but do your homework prior. Listen to some more podcasts before you start thinking about that. And you're going to be operating, if you're new to commercial property, whether you're a seasoned residential property and you're looking for a diversification play or you're new to property investing, you need to do it on the basis that it is a very competitive market right now. The properties that there was a lot more of them once upon a time aren't there as much because there's low stock on market and more property investors. So it is competitive, which is going to put positive pressure on prices. And you know, you might miss this particular cycle in property. And that's okay though, isn't it, Scott? Yeah. And look, on the cycle, I think there's a long way to go. Like, And the reasons I think, you know, talking up this situation now is the amount of equity getting created in residential now. And the search for yield is one of the greatest challenges in the world for investors at the moment. Yields around every asset class around the world are lower than they used to be. Mm. So there's going to be yield seekers. And Australian real estate, the yield I still think is too good relative to the risk. We're like we're a stable country. We haven't even opened our borders yet. So there's that thing yet to happen. And uh, that's going to be very positive for the economy. There's a lot of overseas investors trying to get their money here. There's like the wealth effect from the residential and even the share market's up, what, 30-odd percent in the last 12 months. And this is, uh, yeah, there's a lot of positive signs for this market. So you don't need to rush in because this has a way to go, I think. And um, as long as the banks are keeping their you know interest rates where they are and the RBA said they're going to do that till 2024. Yeah. I think a little interest rate hike will be good for the market, to be honest. Yeah, slow it down a little bit. So this whole concept of FOMO, if you don't get into this month or next month, probably not a bad thing. You're probably better off saving. But then there's that age-old argument, Scott, saying, you know, when you can invest in property, you should invest in property because, to the the example before, $100,000 deposit, whether it's commercial or or residential, if market's going up, that 20%, 30% sort of LVR just gets bigger and bigger. So the speed of price growth, the capital value, often outpaces your ability to save money. So the gap to get in the market just gets further and further away. Yeah. What do you do about that? Oh, look, there's still enough stock coming through. So this mm. whole idea that you're going to miss the whole cycle, I don't think you will. You're just going to miss out on a month or two or three, you know, mm. and, and that's you just got to hang in there and be patient. Never give up on things like a due diligence clause in there. And that's why I like using that. South Australian example, these people buying cash offers. They literally not even given themselves to check over the numbers or get legal lease reviews because they're locked into the deal. You yeah. know, what if something goes wrong? And like part of this whole podcast is not just to tell everyone how great the market is. It's it's the idea that you can lose money in this if you do just jump the gun on a property. Yeah. And this is the point, you know, people thinking they can get rich quick through investing in property, and we're talking specifically about commercial property, the inverse applies where you can blow your dough quickly as well yep. if you go down that pathway, if we're making rushed decisions. Well, I saw this one in as a regional Victorian, I won't name the 
city because it'll be identified, but it was a property that had been vacant for seven years and they auctioned it off and they sold it at a, you know, a five and a half percent yield. And it was a seven-year lease in place to a government tenant and the property was vacant for half a decade prior to that. Yet they've just polished that property up for the auction. They've got a tenant in there, sure, the tenant might be there for seven years, but a lot of government tenants have break lease options in there, funding's cut off or, you know, did they know that? I don't know. But if that property went vacant, that circa four odd five million dollar property would be worth, I don't know, two, you know, three million if you're lucky. So you don't want to buy those types of properties yet. Yeah, that cleanly sold at an auction. Mm. No questions asked. There was probably five underbidders ready to take it up for fifty grand less. And as that's well. just that literally like a matter of months that turned from being a lemon yep. to something which was attractive. So you'd love to be there. Fundamentally, nothing changed except people's attitudes and perception towards it. Yep, because the lease looked good. It was that sparkly lease, you know, everyone got emotionally connected to the government tenant, the Mm. length of it, and probably the auction environment. Again, you know, they would have been in, I think they did it out of Crown Casino, you know, so one of those ones where they- A bit Ritz, glamoury. So so what sort of property was it? It was like an office. Okay. Literally a ground floor office on on a bit of a- not a highway, but, you know, busy main busy street, street type street. thing. And, yeah, awkward property. It was kind of one of those things you'd imagine a bank to be, you know, yeah. on a busy road. like. But awkward to refill. If that ever went vacant, it, well, evidence is there. It was vacant for approximately five years. And the same owner trying to get rid of it couldn't shift it. So actually empty, like on a high street, was it? Like, a- Well, they, they found the tenant and yeah. immediately put it up to auction. Wow. So great deal for the owner. Yeah. Uh, but he did cop a long time of uh, vacancy prior and there's lots of those examples as well. So, you, you know, again, you've got to be always imagine if your current tenant went vacant and if you can't handle that situation, you shouldn't buy the property in the first place. Mm. And that's why like at Rethink we're very big on, you know, everyone knows we love industrial because there's just so many different types of industrial tenants out there. We're very big on medical. Look, retail we're not against as well. I, I like retail as long as it's the type of retail that you kind of got to go to use their products. So, for example, you know, even a gym, for example, gyms are going quite well again. They're stable. They've got expensive fit outs, you know, your food related type places, you know, supermarkets, even hairdresser. Like if you can get those kind of multi-tenant retail ones we've spoken about many times, yeah. they're trugging along quite nicely. But you just got to make sure uh, if those tenants left, would another one come along? And that's a good baseline principle for any new to market commercial investor. You buy a place. If you haven't got a tenant there, what does it mean for you? Can you carry it? Can you hold it? Yep. Is it going to hold you back? Is it going to cause financial distress, which can exacerbate into other stresses, which uh, you don't need? But to a point you made, um, that property with a tenant in it versus that property without a tenant in it, would you say there's a difference in value of half or more? Yeah, it would be roughly that. And that's actually a good thing to bring up. Work out the value of that property if it was vacant versus not vacant. So normally there's a 10 to 20% gap, which is fine because if you buy a vacant property, which a lot of people are tempted to do so in this market because there's not much stock out there. But remember, when you find a tenant, you've got to deal with, I don't know, three to six months vacancy if, um, depending on the type of asset. Then you might offer them three months free rent as an incentive because you want to get the tenant in. Then you've got to pay your agent a letting fee. So that might be 15% of the annual rent. All of a sudden, you've lost 12 months of rent and then finance might be more difficult too. Mm. So all of a sudden, is it worth buying that property that was 10% cheaper? Or do you just wait and buy one with a tenant that you can see and touch and feel and know they're paying their rent on time? It can be an either way decision. So 
We we don't buy vacant properties. We're looking at them more though because of I guess because we understand the rental market quite well. But it is harder with finance and like the owner occupier market's quite strong, and that's a sign of a good investment class as well. Would the owner occupier market be strong for that that office on a highway? Hell, like no, no mm. chance. There'd be no owners looking at that. So it's a pure investor-driven type product, and that's why we would avoid that. You know, like the plague. Yeah, every time I chat with you, and we've done twelve episodes of this. And when I start to think I know a little bit about commercial property, it just reminds me there is absolute minefields everywhere. It sounds bloody hard, mate. Yeah, look, it's harder in this market too because, yeah, you've got to compete harder for a property. And, mm. um, you know, you just got to keep that cool ahead and not chase it because everything's going good right now and there's really good returns on offer. But I guess you just always got to think worst case. And it's hard when it's in this environment because we're buying properties. Like even when we did this first episode, some of the commercial properties, we, I'd say almost most of them have grown 10 to 15% since these 12 episodes have been done. Yeah. So incredible returns for investors. And it gets hard to you know keep the calm head because you know everything we buy is going to go up in value at the moment. But then you've got to think, all right, what about in five years' time? What if there's a, a cycle slowdown because interest rates are rising and um, the economy is starting to tank? What are the investments that are going to do okay in that market? And that's what we always will, will remember. And that's Again, that's the emotionless investor that you need to be and why we don't get uh, too crazy on the yields or only focus on growth because, yeah, the times will change. But for now, it's a bit of a free ride. Times will, you can guarantee that times will change when is the point. But you can look anywhere if you want to reinforce your reasons why you should be investing in commercial property. There is information anywhere and you can have that sort of that bias which can maybe uh, cloud your decision-making, you know, according to – New data from uh, Jones Lang LaSalle, so JLL, most people will be familiar with them. Commercial real estate transactions surged 60% year on year to $5 billion in the first quarter of this year as yield hungry investors. You spoke about them, Scott. Sought the safety of bricks and mortar real estate. Uh, office deals made up half that sum, 10.5% of the $2.63 billion. You know, there's some top line numbers. And again, you've got to be quite careful with there's sort of two types of commercial market. There's the commercial market that your large institutions invest in and think office towers, then there's the more private investor who might be investing in small industrial or a small set of shops or a dentist or some sort of medical type thing. So two types of markets. And, that, and a lot of that, those numbers there, Scott, no doubt are probably towards the top end of the market, aren't they? Yeah. And they are driving that. The top end's a good indication of where the lower end will actually go. So the top end yield, so you're, you're 20 to – $100 million space, yields are actually lower again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you might find there's a, like in Brisbane, you can buy it, say, a 4% net yield for a blue chip type investment, you know, with a big long lease, you know, a Goodman's type investment. You can buy in those same suburbs still at 6% as a guy in a sub $5 million range. So that that's a good indicator that there's future growth in these markets because you can model what the big boys are paying because they're parking cash up, they're more obviously buying more secure leases and bigger assets and that stuff so there's a bit of security in that but that's why i'm quite bullish with the market that there's there's a bit of legs to go in this so you don't need to rush out and just grab the next investment right now because this is not going to slow up there is genuine yield compression left to happen in the market and you just again that's why it's a quality above all else and yeah these numbers that you're spitting out are they're going to keep coming yeah they're going to be coming in for many 
people like commercial property seen as a bit of a safety net, particularly for those who are looking to park cash for long term. So a lot of strategy around that. But you know, back to your example, Scott, around this place in regional Victoria, I think by memory, vacant for seven years, finally get a nice marquee tenant, if you want to call it that, doubles in value, sells at auction at a pretty low sort of net yield. How hard is it? And sort of this market means that people will typically compromise the base fundamentals that they might have had as tenants to investing before this market versus in this current market. And that is because this sort of fear of missing out or I need to get in right now or, you know, if I don't buy this, that means I'm going to be looking again. There's a whole bunch of reasons why people are going to compromise. How hard is it to, and you probably see it all the time where someone goes, well, it's vacant because it's this type of place, but if I change it into this, then it's got to be more attractive. Is it hard to, the portability of the usability of commercial property, how hard is that to manipulate? Yeah, look, it's a good comment you made about compromising because that's something that's happening a lot at the moment. Mm. And I actually still think you don't need to compromise on too much. Like, you know, deals that we're we're still finding. So, you know, we're still finding, say, 6.5% type net assets in Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, Canberra, and these are good, strong tenants and all that kind of stuff. They're not in auction environments. And mm. and this is the, like they don't flow through every single minute of the day. But I think that's when you're a commercial investor, you've got to think like long term. You take your time to get these types of investments. You don't just jump and run and, you know, buy something at a 4% because you just want to get it done. And this is what is happening more and more. And we're actually compromising to a degree with our terms when we offer on properties. We're going to be more competitive, so shorter DD period, shorter finance. And it's just, yeah, it's not a good habit and you don't want everyone to continually do that and then all of a sudden it's it's cash-only offers. And that's where it could go if people uh, keep being as aggressive as they are. Yeah, and you've got to play in that environment. That's the fact of the matter. And, and for those who are relatively new to commercial investing, whether it's a diversification play or you are a new investor, you know, you're not investing in isolation of your particular circumstances. You're, it's a competitive market with a whole bunch of other people who, let's be frank, probably got a lot more dough than you do and they can probably move a lot quicker and they've probably got more of an appetite for risk because they've probably got capacity to weather a poor investment now for long-term gain. So it's a tough one to operate within. And if you like this sort of discussion and you want to have more of them, episode 12 at rethinkinvesting.com.au. And, and this is about the recalibration of the realities of investing in commercial market in 2021. And we spoke about the compromise that people are making right now. I call it sort of idiot investing. How do you know you're being an idiot? How do you know when you're really starting to compromise too far? So you probably don't know and it would be impossible because, you know, if I went to say one of those auction houses and got out the front and told them they're all idiots because they're looking at service stations at 3.5% nets, you know, would they listen to me? They'll be like, you're an idiot. No, yeah, you don't get it. Exactly. You yeah. can't tell them. But um, I'd love to because the amount of money that, you know, I've seen some of these auction houses, they'll sell $200 million of investments in a day. Mm. And they're just, they wish they had double that stock because they would have sold another $200 million. And they're just not great investments, I don't think. Like, How do you know getting suckered up? You know, you said to that particular property, which was in regional mm. Victoria or something other, they had the auction at the Crown Casino, the glitz and glamour of Crown, like- you know, is it like bogging up a car with newspaper and a, and a coat of paint and going, look at it, it looks brand new and it's only when you drive it off the lot you know you've bought something which is not what you expected. Well, it is. is, is are these sort of tactics and tricks, I don't know if tricks is the right word, but it, is that happening? It's like a new car. That's probably the best example because a lot of them are good investments, mm. but you're paying an absolute premium for them. You yeah. know, like 
I always give child cares a hard time. And it, look, they're not a bad investment. You can get the right child care. You'll do very well. But you're going to cop a low yield. You're effectively buying a property that has risk because if they build another childcare down the road, you're up for more competition. And then all of a sudden, your childcare is 10 years older and then you need to refurb it. And what if the government release, you know, unravels some subsidies or pulls them away from that type of business model? And all of a sudden, you're sitting on a, you know, a big dud. That's all the stuff that's selling. So it's like a new car auction where everyone's kind of excited and very competitive. And um, I could imagine going to one of them and you see a property that looks pretty good and you got money and you, you want to beat the other guy from buying it. Like this, mm. And then you've got agents in your ear saying, oh, it's going to grow more if you wait till next month. It's going to be another 200 grand more. Like That's what happens. And um, that's one of the main messages I want to get out there. There's... You don't have to go to those types of things. And the guys that are buying there are generally your three to eight million dollar space. So mm. this is not pocket change. And um, like if you're looking at return on equity, you can literally get a twice a good a deal as they are at these auction houses. So we're talking about buying property at the moment. If you're sitting on commercial property and you have done for many years, is now the time to cash out? Well, it it, depends, it's a good no time doubt. to cash out of a dud property if you've got in your portfolio. So every, like, you know, if you've got 10 properties and maybe you've got two that have just annoyed you for the last half decade, it's a pretty good time to, to get out of it because um, the market's primed to sell off dud properties because there'll be a buyer for it. But if it slows up, you know, it's the classic example. If you've got a property on a highway and it's the last to grow and the first to drop in value. So there's a moment in time where you can get out of bad assets mm. without losing your hat essentially. So good time to sort of de-leverage out of poor quality properties and yeah. then get into better quality ones. So consolidate your portfolio during this period, get rid of the, the bad stuff because yep. there'll be a buy for it. Yeah. So is everything selling in this market? Like is there still stuff which you just – no one's going near? Uh, look, <laughs> in my time as an investor, so I, I pretty much have never not looked at the property market since about 2008. Uh, every day of the week mm. for whatever – how many years that is, it's – I've never seen it like this. So you could go out to like rural – Western Australia and there's people looking at things out there and, that you know, obviously the, the capital city markets are hot. So, yeah, look, it is a pretty good time to sell a poor quality investment. And the, I don't know how long this will last for, but mm. I know this is a very common strategy session I have with my clients. They come to me with a large portfolio or even just a small one and going, like, what do I do with all my properties? And I'll tell them reluctantly maybe it's good to sell that because it's costing you 200 bucks a week. It's probably at the peak. This is what you can turn that money into if you go into commercial or at least a better quality residential. There's, um, yeah, it, it's a reset time, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it's good to think that way. And you know, this podcast just isn't for those new to market. It's for those uh, listeners who, a lot of listeners who've been tuning in over these last 12 episodes who are, you know, have, have substantial portfolios. So, you know, we're a broad church here. We'd like to cover it off. And you get swept up and, you know, a lot of people always look for the positives in an asset and probably put blinkers on to the negatives and because, oh, that, that should be right. We'll work out over time. But people get obsessed around the reasons why property will grow over time. And you only need to go back through history of Australia since the first property transactions took place. Property's always grown. You know, you buy property today in 50 years' time, unless you actually get it wrong, there's a good chance it's going to be worth a lot more, right? Considerably a lot more. So property does go up, hence the reason why. It's an attractive asset class, and the fact that you can leverage it is, is makes it even more attractive. But people always get caught up, Scott, um, around, oh, yeah, this is going to be this long-term growth here because of X, Y, Z, and I was just sort of thinking off the cuff, but listening on the radio this morning, 
announcement that um, uh, the federal government's going to pony up half the cost for the Olympics in Olympic bid in 2032 in Brisbane, right? And I don't think it's going to be contested. I think we're the only person with a hat in a ring. So mm. if we want it, I think we'll get it. Already people are starting to talk about, well, Brisbane's the place to be, you know, in 11 years' time there's going to be all this building and this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, therefore property's going to go up. We all know it. And therefore commercial property's going to go up because all of the different infrastructure work that's going to happen means there's going to be more need for whatever. Does it really matter that much? Okay. And it could be the Olympics, it could be whatever, but there's always something which is going to positively shape yeah. property. Look, I'm never really one of those that talk about infrastructure so much because mm. it just doesn't have that big of effect on the everyday person. And like, it's more of a sentiment thing. So the good thing about Brisbane is there's a massive pipeline of, of work for people. So that's what the infrastructure is going to do. And sure, it's going to add the odd stadium or you know highway that's going to shorten travel times and stuff like that. But it's going to mean people move to these areas. It's already happening in terms of like net migration. So vacancy rates are really tight. But it's more about the value for mm. that city versus Melbourne and Sydney. It's it's always been, I think it was sitting at about fifty five percent of the average house price for about five years, and and it shouldn't be that difference. It should probably be about seventy percent of the value of Sydney. So there was always a bit of a catch up, whether it was Sydney correcting or Brisbane catching up. So I think the value is is what will shine through, and then the infrastructure might be just a convenient excuse for that. Yeah. Okay. But so. it will help commercial and. You know, and one of those myths, like I actually looked back at the data from say 1990 to the prices this year of each capital city and you know how everyone talks about 7 8% growth rates. These are the actual facts. So Sydney in 1990 was worth 194,000 and now it's median, a, sorry. Yeah, medium. Yeah. So so basically I'll go through all the different growth rates. So the current compounding annual growth rate of each capital city in the last 30 years, Sydney is 5.44. Melbourne is 5.91, Brisbane is 5.36, Adelaide is 5.39, Perth 5.33, Hobart 6.42. Obviously, that last big boom would have helped that one. Darwin 5.2 and Canberra 6.13. So these are good numbers to concentrate when you're investing in residential, especially as these yields get lower. Like arguably the last 30 years for Australian real estate is probably the best we'll ever see as well. So just remember these bank on, you know, your 5% odd growth rates is the long-term growth model in a time when incomes uh, have, uh, you know, slowed up as well relative to what they were doing in the 90s and stuff like that. And interest rates have dropped considerably. Women have become more uh, more of the breadwinners in terms of the incomes for dual income households. So yeah, just always look at that before. Again, this is the fear of missing out. If you're buying at the peak of the market and it's a very low yielding asset, don't think it's going to be growing at 10% forever. Mm. You know, these are the real numbers over a long period of time. And what are they going to do the next 30 years? No one knows. But, you know, that's a pretty good guide. So don't get caught up in these headline numbers of double-digit growth and 15% growth, 20% growth. It's a moment in time. Yep. You know, and I don't know many people who are so good to actually pick the absolute bottom of every market and the absolute top of every market. I think it's only in hindsight you really work that stuff out. So Yeah. So if you've had a really good growth rate out, like a property that's doubled in 10 years but you hate it mm. because it's got huge amounts of maintenance or- Sounds like my portfolio. You've always got yeah. a dud tenant or something yeah. like that. Maybe maybe flick it and make a bit of a profit and uh, remember where there's, uh, there's other alternatives out there. Parking money elsewhere. So I think we've done pretty well here, Scott. 
you know, and to my earlier point, this is not talking down commercial property by any means, but it's it's really expressing the realities of this current market. And if you're going to invest in property, commercial property, and if you're buying, and we're not talking the selling side of things, um, expect competition right now. And um, it's going to be hard graft to find the right asset because not only are you competing against other buyers that they do it themselves, there's, you know, buyers, agents like you saw who specialise in commercial, you know, and this probably makes your job even harder right now. It's It's more of a support to your client saying just don't do anything yeah well our, my job it's harder but it's still remained the same like we're buying about 70 percent off market mm. so if you want help buying an off-market property it's about your networks and we've definitely i'm confident to say we've got the largest network when it comes to commercial property in australia so if you did want to reach out to us just remember there's certain price points are harder than others if you've got a large budget you know and you're buying a property over two million dollars yes there's there's lots of good properties nearly all of them are off market but if you're coming to us at say you want a six hundred thousand dollar investment we're very very stern on quality so we're not just going to say yeah we'll sort you out in the next two weeks and give you a five percent yield or that's no good you know it's that's where you just got to be a bit more patient and that's my message to uh future people reaching out to us. Quality is our number one priority and you just got to wait for the market to drip feed you that quality and uh, you need good networks for that, which we do have, but it still takes time. Yeah, and don't don't unnecessarily accelerate your buying and therefore compromise the assets you do buy because I'll tell you what, it'll be a problem in your portfolio moving forward and will potentially stifle your ability to um, create wealth through uh, investing in property. So I've seen it time and time again and you can avoid it, but uh, get yourself educated, get yourself informed. Remember, there's 12 other, or 11 other episodes uh, to this podcast where, as a start, I would suggest, um, you know, tuning in. There's probably, I'd say it's got to be nearly 12 hours of education there. If you're, you're doing a long drive to uh, to Brizzy from Sydney, if you look at a property, it's pretty much got your whole travel time sorted out. But remember, for this particular episode, episode 12 at Rethink investing.com.au so that's episode 1212 at rethinkinvesting.com.au get email scott and the team there they're happy to have a chat with you around a balanced approach to investing in this market and how you can potentially capitalize scott um always enjoy catching up but that was good uh, uh, thank you and a lot of ground and i wanted to thank uh there's so many people that left us five-star reviews in the last when you called them out to uh to it so yeah. we've, we've got a whole heap of ones that came through so really appreciate the kind words and and uh, I do have a few questions which we'll go through in the next episode just, uh, you know, about topics and stuff like that. So, yeah, keep keep the questions coming through and, yeah, we'd love to uh, address them in the next episode. Yeah, we, we, we do like uh, to uh, do the questions live, Q&As uh, on the show and, and we, we plan to do a lot more. We're going to move into um, the next, I guess, season, I guess we'll call it, the next season of Inside Commercial Property. So we're just working behind the scenes now how that's going to work i, I do note uh scott that someone's given us a four-star review which is oh. which is uh put a little blip on our um <laughs> put a little blip on it but th- they didn't leave a it's a tiny yeah 60 ratings one one four star i'm going to blame you for that that wouldn't have been me at all but i, I do um i do i look i've actually got a mention from this anthony scp finally recognised for the brilliant work that I do, very informative, even when you think you know the subject, there's always something small you learn and nice questions, Phil. <laughs> Sounds like a PS, nice questions, Phil. Thanks for that TP uh, with a smiley face emoji with the sunglasses. What does that mean? I really never know my emojis. Just, I don't know. I think you're a cool uh, dude, mate. Yeah, I know. I've uh, been listening to the podcast since the beginning and the transparent and informative content has changed my view on the property. That's cool. Just purchased my first fully tenanted commercial property. Looking to do more in the future. Some great – we're getting a lot here, mate. There's um, 
That's pretty cool. Yeah, I really do appreciate that. And it's just not myself and Scott here uh, behind the mic. Uh, there's a great team here at Momentum Media who produce and do all the, uh, the, the important work of putting this podcast together. So a uh, big shout out to them as well. Scott, we'll see you again next month for Inside Commercial Property and uh, look forward to it. Until then, we'll see you then. Bye-bye.